Well, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, whatever time it is, wherever you are tuning in. Thank you so much for joining me for another edition of Facebook Live. I was trying to get Instagram working, but uh, apparently it's not going to cooperate again today. So uh, sorry if you're waiting on Instagram, uh, but it will be up there. Uh, on video format as soon as this is finished and I can get it uploaded there. So in case you're wondering, I'm Chris Luard, a longtime meditation practitioner uh, and a teacher for about 12 years now. And I'm doing a four-week program on equanimity, which is one of the Brahma Viharas in the Buddhist tradition. A Brahma Vihara means the home of the gods or where the gods dwell. Uh, so the practices of equanimity in combination with love and kindness, compassion and joy uh, create a, a, the home of the gods. Those are the four walls of the home. And each one of those qualities can be cultivated all the way to complete awakening, it said, <laughs> and I believe them. So before we get started into the bulk of today's offering, uh, I'd like to make a, a, just a couple of announcements. The first is that I am offering an online meditation retreat. This is my autumn retreat offering. It is on equanimity. Uh, the topic will be equanimity uh, of the retreat. It's an eight week program. Uh, it runs from September 26th to November 18th, 2021. Uh, the sessions are on Sundays and Thursdays at 6 p.m. Pacific Coast time. So adjust your clocks accordingly for that. There is a second section which is specifically created and designed to cater to those people in Europe or those people who find the first uh, time slot restrictive for whatever reason. And so that runs September 27th to November 18th, 2021 at 9 a.m. UK time. So I recognize that there is a, a, a time change for many of the, the people who will be tuning into the retreat, uh, daylight savings and, and things like that. So. Uh, be aware of that. I think that happens for many places in the world around the beginning of November. In Thailand, we don't do daylight saving, so for, for us here in Thailand, it's, it's irrelevant. Uh, so a few more notes about the online retreat. Uh, people can make as many or as few of the live sessions as they wish. So. If uh, you want to do the whole retreat at your own pace, all of the sessions are recorded. Those recordings are made available only to the retreat participants as a confidentiality agreement uh, that I'll ask everyone to, uh, to sign up with uh, when they sign up for the retreat. So uh, the videos are made available only to people who are participating in the retreat and then you can do the retreat at your own pace if you wish. Uh, part of the feature of the retreat is I am available for one-on-one -on -one sessions throughout the eight-week course. 
uh, and that's you know relatively unlimited. I try to keep it to once a week per the for each participant, more or less. And uh, so if you are doing the whole retreat program on your own, on the videos, uh, you still have access to me uh, in the one-to-one -one formation, if you wish. So you can do as many or as few of the live sessions as you, you feel comfortable with, and that's fine. Uh, this retreat is appropriate for people of all skill levels, very, very beginning meditation practice or very advanced practitioners, uh, all are welcome. And I like to, to really emphasize that because I know when I give these Facebook Live talks and when I, when I uh, write books about equanimity um, and articles and things like that, I tend to, to aim the arrow quite high. And that's done intentionally as a way of inspiring people, hopefully. So, uh, but sometimes that can, it can feel a bit, uh, you know, unre unreachable, unfathomable, this quality of equanimity. Uh, and so therefore, sometimes beginners are, are shied away from a program like this. But please, please know that you're more than welcome uh, to join at any level of experience. Okay, all of that being said, uh, I'd like to offer just a brief guided meditation now, maybe five to seven minutes as a way of kind of setting the stage for the talk uh, that I'll be giving just after that. So if you would, take a moment to get into your most comfortable meditation posture, whatever that means for you. You could be sitting in a chair or on a cushion, on the floor. Or you might be standing or lying down. Just whatever feels most supportive in this present moment. And I'll ring the bell. And so the invitation here is just to arrive to this present moment experience. And there are many ways of arriving into the here and now. And so today, perhaps arriving by just noticing the feet against the floor or the carpet or the ground. And just feeling the contact there, the contact of the floor against the bottoms of the feet. Or if you're lying down, you might just notice the air resting against the skin of the feet. And we could continue arriving by noticing the weight of the body against the cushion or chair or mat. And perhaps here extending a thought or two of gratitude for the comfort, for the support that's being offered by the seated apparatus if you're sitting down. The support the sense of anchored groundedness that's being offered by 
the floor or the ground underneath the feet. And both the chair or the cushion and the floor are really substitutes for planet Earth. And so here, just taking a breath or two to extend that gratitude for this beautiful planet, for the support, the comfort, And we could continue arriving by perhaps noticing sensations of clothing against the back and inviting the muscles in the back to grow soft, relax, and rest. You might also notice the hands resting against the body or touching each other. the arms resting against the body, inviting the hands and arms to unwind and rest. And taking a breath or two here to notice the rising and falling of the abdomen. It's quite common to carry tension or stress in or around the abdomen. If you notice that, you might invite that to relax and unwind, grow soft. You might also notice the rib cage expanding and contracting with the breath. the rising and falling of the shoulders, inviting the muscles in the shoulders to relax, grow soft. Perhaps noticing sensations arising from the cheeks of the face, letting any tension or stress that's held in the face go. And here while we're resting, you might also notice the temperature changing from cooler to warmer as the breath moves in and out of the nose. And perhaps also the back of the throat. And if it feels accessible, you might also notice sensations arising from the top of the head. Resting, feeling, breathing. And while sensations of breath and body are always present moment, we could also use sounds as a way of bringing us into the here and now. And sounds are always present moment experiences as well. And so here the invitation is to just listen 
to the present moment. And whether a sound feels pleasant or unpleasant or neutral, regardless of the, the feeling tone of the sound, the sounds are always right now. And so allowing each sound to escort our awareness into the present moment. And so we'll rest here for another breath or two, just allowing the body, mind, and heart to settle. And so I'll ring the sound of the bell here to bring us back into a conversational space. So thank you for joining me in that brief guided meditation. If you found that helpful and you'd like to explore uh, more guided meditations, you could visit my website, suchsweetthunder.org. Scroll through here on Facebook page, my homepage. There's plenty of uh, guided meditations there. Or you might uh, visit the podcast page as well and uh, you know, connect with me through Apple Podcasts or Spotify. So equanimity. Now, there are many reasons for practicing equanimity. Really, equanimity by definition is finding a sense of calm, of stillness, a sense of resting throughout the inevitable changes that occur through our life. And when the Buddha taught, he often taught that life contains what he called dukkha, or really dukkha is translated often as suffering, but it's also could be translated as unsatisfactoriness, instability, that our life will be replete with change. And the Buddha really asked us to embrace that. He said, dukkha paranya. Paranya is a Sanskrit word, a Pali word, which means in the round. To know it from all angles. This human experience of change. And, you know, really having a, a human body with a human nervous system, being born on planet Earth, guarantees this experience of change. There's nothing we can do about that. 
And so the practice of equanimity is the practice of finding a sense of rest in the midst of change. Now, the Buddha went on in other teachings to outline what's called the eight worldly winds. And those are, according to the Buddhist tradition, uh, gain and loss, praise and blame, pleasure and pain, success and failure. And he would instruct people to feel into that, that river of change between those extremes. You have gain on one side and loss on the other. Praise on one side, blame on the other. And I, I like that kind of way of looking at it because in the middle of those two sides is the middle way, that balance. Because gain and loss are really just two sides of a spectrum. There are many, many shades, right? We, we, we say take gain here and loss here and then there's all kinds of subtleties and shades and colors and lights, experiences, till we arrive at loss, complete loss. And in that complete loss, a sense of gain starts to become felt, a way out, or a sense of relief. And we follow that back. And we oscillate back, find, you know, through the colors, the shades, the granularities of that spectrum. So what the Buddha pointed at there is that that moving around and around in between gain and loss, praise and blame, pleasure and pain, success and failure, around and around, that's suffering. So when we're caught in a life like that, we're caught in this pursuit, this constant pursuit of the positive and this constant pushing against the negative, not recognizing that they're actually part of the same spectrum. You can't have a quality of gain without ever experiencing loss. What would it mean? What would it mean to gain something without ever having experienced any type of loss? And we could look at it from the other side. What would it mean to lose something if all we ever knew was constant loss, right? It would just be that we would just think of that that's just the way things are, that I just keep losing things. I just keep losing whatever it is. And so loss only makes sense relative to gain. Gain only makes sense in light of loss. We can go through the other eight worldly winds, praise and blame. There's no one, there's, been, there's never been one being 
that's gone through their life only ever experiencing praise. Can you imagine what a jerk that person would be? <laughs> no, they wouldn't even recognize that they were being praised if they had never experienced the quality of blame. And same thing, we can look at the other side of that spectrum. What does what would it mean if we were to go through our life only ever getting showered with blame? Everything's our fault. <laughs> I chuckle, and I'm, I'm sorry if, I, if that offends people. Uh, because I, I think there are some people who actually feel that a great portion of their suffering is their fault. And we'll speak about that in a moment. But there, there really isn't any being that's only ever experienced blame without at least some gram, some grain of, of praise. Pleasure and pain, same thing, right? If we had a life of complete pleasure, we wouldn't even know that we were living in the lap of luxury. It would just be the normal course of things. It wouldn't make sense to us unless there was at least some shading of pain. And again, nobody's life, nobody lives on planet Earth in a human body without the experience of pain. And when we really recognize this with equanimity, the pain can be there, and we know that that pain will eventually subside and give rise to comfort, give rise to pleasure. And in fact, when that pain does subside and the pleasure is known, the pleasure, the comfort is more rich. It's more fulfilling. We kind of know this, right? If we, we can kind of bring it to a simple example, if you're, you know, you know, it's a really hot day here in Thailand. There's no shortage of hot days, and I spent a lot of time in in Atlanta, Georgia. It gets really hot and humid down there too. And you know, maybe from you know mowing the lawn or just taking a long walk on a hot summer day, it's you know, oh, really takes it out of you, right? It's a lot of discomfort, a lot of exhaustion, perhaps. And then you drink that first glass of water. It's like heaven. Now, if you had that same glass of water after sitting inside on an autumn day and, you know, watching a movie and you had a nice glass of water, it might still taste good or refreshing, but it wouldn't have that, oh, right? So we know this already, wouldn't have that quality to it. And again, it's a spectrum. There's no, you know, point in experience where it's, everything's 100% pain. Now, place in our life, and it can feel very, very all-encompassing, but there's, there, is almost always one grain of sand of pleasure. Whether 
you're in the midst of that real difficult moment and you take a bite of chocolate. Ah, oh, there it is. Or you're in the midst of real intense emotional turmoil or physical pain and you look outside and you see the sunset. Or you hear the, the purring of the kitten. And that starts the, the swing back. So the idea is not to keep swinging back and forth, but to recognize that it is all on a spectrum and that one extreme only make, makes sense, is only comprehensible in the light of the other side of that and finding the middle way. Success and failure, same thing. Now I actually have added another set of opposites there that I like to work with order and chaos. And I think this is actually really quite uh, profound uh, considering the current world situation. And so to hold the experience of complete order on one side and the experience of complete chaos on the other. And that is one of the ways of practicing the worldly winds is you might find a quiet place, perhaps doing a, a brief meditation like the one that I offered at the beginning of today's talk. Just taking a few minutes to settle. And then in your awareness, in your mind's eye or in your imagination, bring in the experience of gain, for example. Really feel what it feels like to be in a place in your life where maybe you got a promotion or a raise or you had some sort of windfall, a really, you know, a gain, a beautiful gain. You're on a nice vacation, whatever it is. And just feeling into that. And then in another breath or two, bringing in loss and holding them equally in awareness at the same time. If you can hold the experience of gain and equally hold the experience of loss at the same time. And if you can really do that, if you can really hold them equally in equanimity, find a resting there. You'll find that balance point on that spectrum. You'll find that middle path. And you can do this with all of the worldly winds. And if you do sign up for this retreat that I'm offering, uh, this is one of the practices that we'll be doing for a few weeks uh, throughout the, uh, the online meditation retreat. We'll be taking the worldly winds and resting in the middle of gain and loss, praise and blame, pleasure and pain, success and failure, and order and chaos as well, like that. So try it for yourself, see what it feels like, you know, experiment. Uh, you might find, uh, well, one of the very common experiences of that type of practice is you might find that they start to cancel each other out. 
if you hold, let's use the example of order and chaos. So you hold this real experience of life being completely orderly. <laughs> I don't know about you all, but that never happens to me, but I can kind of imagine it. You know, the, the room is completely clean and tidy, all the laundry's done, the cat is sleeping, the kitchen is totally clean, maybe I'm meditating, and there's just this sense of complete order. And then holding that on one side. And for me, it actually helps to visualize holding one in one hand and one in the other. That puts me, my awareness here, kind of right in the middle of those. So then on the other side, holding the experience of chaos. And so you might visualize, like for me, I would visualize the same room, but everything is, you know, dirty laundry all over the place, the kitchen's a mess, the cat's, you know, tearing up the wallpaper. Uh, I, I'm not meditating, I don't know what I'd be doing. Uh, and and uh, so there's this, this sense of complete chaos. And so holding them equally in awareness. And so if what tends to happen when we practice like that is they kind of, it's like putting two poles of a battery together. They kind of push against each other in a kind of a reverse magnetic way. And you start to feel into that, that real sense of rest and calm in the middle. That's equanimity. That's finding resting in the eye of the storm. That equanimity between the eight or 10 worldly winds. I'm gonna go with 10, because I like the extra addition there. So if you're finding that a little bit challenging uh, or kind of um, inaccessible right now, that's fine. This is a practice and it does take some, some settling into very often. Uh, and so like many of the meditations that I practice and that I teach, uh, I use phrases in the middle of the meditation to keep one really, you know, in line or in, in, in focus, in touch, in connection with uh, here the, the task of equanimity. And so one might hold in one hand the experience of order, holding in one hand the experience of chaos, and then resting in that, offering these phrases, may I rest in the midst of this. So you can just follow along. I'll go through the phrases here and see, see if this helps. See if this helps anchor your awareness in that middle way between order and chaos, success and failure, pleasure and pain, and so forth. So let's use here order and chaos. So you have this experience of order in one hand, the experience of chaos in the other. Whatever those mean to you. And then, may I find rest in the midst of this? Order 
in one hand, chaos on the other. May I be at ease in the midst of this. May I find freedom in the midst of this. Maybe success on one hand, failure on the other, or gain in one hand, loss on the other. May I be at peace in the midst of this. And so through the practices of meditation, we find this sense of resting, of ease, of freedom, of peace, of calm, of strength. In the middle of chaos and order, blame and praise, And so one thing we need to be aware of here when we take up a practice like this is our inherent negativity bias. As human beings, we evolved over the past 10, 15, 20,000 years uh, to favor the negative experiences. We had to as a way of scoping out danger in the environment. We had to remember very quickly uh, where the bushes that that the lions were hiding in <laughs> and store that in our emotional memory bank so we wouldn't get eaten now it wasn't that important to remember where we found lunch uh, because lunch was a little more abundant and if we missed a meal or two it wasn't a big deal we could still survive until we found the next meal. But we wouldn't survive that encounter with the lion, right? And so this is really just a way of saying why we evolved to, to first very quickly remember the negatives in our experience and store them in our emotional memory bank. We're all wired as human beings to do that. And so this negativity bias, it, it allows us or creates an environment internally so that we focus more heavily on the negative while ignoring the positive. And so just to acknowledge that when we take up a practice like this, that we might be, you know, more focused on the loss than on the gain. And so really allowing yourself to, to feel if that's happening and then to steer towards the gain to offset that negativity bias. Now, in your day-to-day -day experience, when you're out and about, uh, not meditating, the idea then is to enjoy and to really drink in the positive experiences of life. Take in the beauty of the sunset. Enjoy the connection and laughter you feel from a loved one or a friend or a pet. And really take a few moments to feel those positive experiences in the body. 
So you take the example of looking at a sunset, right? You look out the window, oh, it's a beautiful sunset, lovely. And then you might just turn away and go back to scrolling on your phone or talking on, to your friend or whatever it is. So here, when you see something beautiful like a sunset or a flower, really ask yourself, how do I know that this is beautiful? What tells me that that's a beautiful experience? So when you ask that question, you might sense into the body where this feeling of beauty arises. Feel into that beauty. When we do that, when we take just 30 seconds or a minute to really feel into the somatic experience of the goodness of life, it nourishes us and gives us a stability and a ground so that when the beauty, the positive experiences of life give way to the, to the pain of life, to the more negative pole of life, we have this stability, this ground to experience the pain of life with equanimity. So really allowing the positive to nourish us so that when the negative comes, we can really meet that negative and hold it in awareness rather than you know, pushing it away, pushing it away, falling into a habitual negative reaction to that negative experience. And this is what these teachings are really pointing at, that when we're caught in the worldly winds, we're pushing against the pain and, and grasping at the pleasure, pushing against pain, grasping at pleasure, pushing against blame and grasping at praise, pushing against chaos and grasping at order. And we do that habitually, unconsciously. And as Carl Jung once very astutely pointed out, that which remains in our unconscious will control us. So when we embark on a practice like this, we we bring that tendency to push against the negative and grasp at the positive, we bring that into awareness. Because that's where so much suffering comes from, that unconscious tendency, right? I don't wanna feel this uncomfort now, so I, I, I move it towards a drink or a cigarette, or I, I you know, unconsciously call an, an X, <laughs> oops, or whatever it is, whatever our habitual tendency is, so that we don't feel, we might just numb out somehow, dissociate, turn on a, a series and eat a, a box of chocolate cookies or Pringles, whatever our, our way of checking out is so we don't have to feel that. These practices give us a sense of stability and peace and rest so that we can embrace both the positive and the negative. Again, recognizing that it is the negative that gives the positive its very quality. And 
And so both are allowed to be. Now, of course, when we are in the midst of struggle, we're going to move towards comfort. That's natural. That's normal. And we should do that. But we can do that consciously, in awareness, recognizing, oh, I'm in this discomfort now. I can allow this in and then consciously choose the next step rather than unconsciously reacting against the discomfort. We allow the discomfort to inform us, oh, this isn't a good situation for me right now. I'm not comfortable with this. Let me move towards comfort, turning on the air conditioning, for example, if it's hot. Or if we're you know, really in an uncomfortable situation, say, okay, this isn't the right situation for me. Let me excuse myself here and now. So when we are moving in this awareness, allowing the discomfort to inform us, when we can move in that way, we're not causing suffering for ourselves and for others. But when we're caught in that knee-jerk reaction, there's no equanimity there. And inevitably, we give rise to suffering for ourselves and for others. And so I think that's all I want to say today. There will be one more talk at this same time next week, and then I'll I take a week off. I'm going into a silent meditation retreat myself for a week, and then coming out of that the day after launches the eight-week online retreat on equanimity. Uh, spots are filling up, so if you are hemming and hawing about uh, getting registered for the retreat, please do send an email and we'll get you registered right away. Either email me through my website, suchsweetthunder.org, or just send me a message through Facebook Messenger and we'll get you signed up for the eight-week online equanimity retreat running from the end of September to the middle of November. Have a great day, a great evening, a great weekend. And I'll see you next time. Thanks for joining me for this, this talk on equanimity. I hope you enjoyed.